on the block on demand. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Then it is, friends. Happy Friday, everybody. On the Block is presented by Chocolate Pizza Company. Look, I've been telling you, man. But now we're coming down the home stretch. Like, next week's it, man. It's going to be a big shopping weekend coming up. And then next weekend's like the last minute. You better get out there and get that done. And Christmas Eve is here Monday. Next Monday. We're 10 days away. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Let's go to Chocolate Pizza Company. You got to get that unexpected gift for maybe somebody in the office. Or, oh, man, we forgot about Aunt Jenny or whatever it is. Need some extra stocking stuff or some cool stuff for whoever is on your list. You can't go wrong with our friends at the Chocolate Pizza Company. We are going to talk some Syracuse hoops later this hour. You can certainly jump in before that and do so with, uh, I'm as curious as anybody. I mean, other than Eastern Washington to start the year, every non-conference game has been interesting in its own right. Will Old Dominion keep that streak going at the Dome tomorrow? Really good point guard, couple of scores, first place team in Conference USA, certainly a team that, you know, if they hold up to what uh, reputation has said they could be and can be, an NCAA tournament team. NFL blitz on the way with a weekend up ahead. Going to be hard to top the Chargers last night going for two and rightfully going for two in that spot. Somehow Mike Williams that wide open to catch that two-point conversion and the Chargers get a big win over the Chiefs. But we'll see what this NFL weekend brings. We'll give you the blitz coming up later this hour. But Earlier today, here on ESPN Radio Syracuse, Dino Babers was here. Heard of that guy. Thanks, Brent. Welcome, Coach. But thank you for coming on. And it was one of our first opportunities to hear from Dino since the contract extension. And Steve Infante, Seth Goldberg. Goldberg, Goldberg. I didn't know we had somebody here of that name. Spoke with Dino in studio. And, of course, they went over a number of things, including why... He was extended as the head coach here and kind of his say in that process. I'm just really excited. I think it's uh I think that we're working well together. I really enjoy what John Wildhack and and uh and Chancellor Siverud has been doing. I think we're on the right page. I think we're moving in the right direction. The community's been outstanding and we're only gonna get better as we all work together. So I think this is good times to, uh, to be orange. So the question is why now? I think a lot of fans were, you know, not just asking for it. As I said to John Wildhack a couple times this week here on these airwaves, almost outright demanding it. But the timing of it was big from a big picture standpoint, but in the immediate deadline, if you will, because next week is the early signing period. Remember, recruiting's different now. There's an early signing period. It happens to be December 19th this year. And recruiting, I don't know if you've heard this, can be kind of a dirty business. So when you got coaches out there looking for every advantage to not sell their program and sell themselves, but talk down other schools, one thing, and this is a good problem to have certainly, but one thing they were saying about Syracuse was, oh, that Dino Babers, he's not going to be there for long. So getting the deal done now is important for that reason and others. I think that ties into you know the, the signing date is next Wednesday. Those young men are going to be making decisions. Once they put their name on that paper, they can't take those decisions back. Uh, it could extend it further, but if you're really working for the benefit of the of the community and the university and, and, you're, and no one's being selfish about this act, 
it needed to happen uh, before the signing date, and I'm glad we got it done. So you eliminate that. Now coaches cannot say that. What they'll say now is, hey, you can get out of any contract. I mean, they'll find ways to talk down their opponents any which way they can, but at least you have sort of eliminated that one. Now if we could work on the cold, right? Like, Is, is global warming like a recruiting tactic? Ah, no, it's, no, it's not going to be a problem. Global warming, we'll be fine in like five years. Don't worry about it. A little bit more from Dino on recruiting and how extending will help that. You know, it, it was very interesting. Our first year here, uh, recruiting was very uh, negative. You know, they're saying, hey, they're going to be picked last. You're never going to go to a bowl game. It snows. Why do you want to go to school there? Then the second year was pretty much the same. And then this year, they didn't talk about us not going to a bowl game. They didn't talk about us being picked last in the conference. They didn't talk about us finishing second in the conference either. Uh, but they were talking about, hey, you know, why you want to go there? That, that coach is not even going to be there. So we needed to get that eliminated because we've got some outstanding student athletes that are really interested in Syracuse University, and and we deserve to have an opportunity to recruit some of those people. So we wanted to eliminate all the negatives, and so we can get the best class that we could possibly get, not only in 2019 but also in 2020. So. When Dino first signed on, and you know we played that clip a couple of times this week when the extension came into play, but we all remember the opening press conference, close your eyes, envision what it can be, and a lot of what he said that day has either come to fruition or is certainly on the way to come into fruition. So what is the vision for the program now that the deal is secure, he's going to be here, at least in theory, for a long time? I think we all know that there's out clauses and certain things that can happen, but a, a real commitment has been made and has been put down on paper. So what is the vision for the program going forward? You know, my big thing is that there was a lot of things to fix. And and as long as the left hand is helping the right hand and the administration and the community and the the student body, if everybody's working together, we can can do great things here. The difficulties is when we're not all on the same page. And as long as we're going to stay on the same page, we're, we're two fourth quarter leads from being in the final four of uh, being 11-1, one loss to Notre Dame, and being in the Final Four. I mean, that's exactly where we would be if we'd have held the lead in two games where we were leading in the fourth quarter. So we showed that we could do it. Now, to be able to do it consistently good and not occasionally great is something else. And it's going to take everybody if that's what we want to accomplish. So the deal is in place, and that's big term and big picture and certainly big news this week. But, hey, there's a bowl game. Uh, coming up pretty soon, that they're going to really start to lock down and practice for. Dino was on the road recruiting throughout the week. He's back, and they'll get back on the practice field, and a lot of intense practices coming up before they travel to Orlando in 10 days. They leave on Christmas Eve with the game slated for Friday, December the 28th. Here's a Dino on motivating his guys to play in this bowl game. Well, you know, you talk to him, and I'll, I'll get a pulse of those guys. I would like to think that not only the 2018 seniors, but they the season they've done with nine wins is amazing, and nobody will ever forget those 2018 seasons. I, I don't believe that. But, again, to be a double-digit win football team at a non-traditional power school is something that's very, very unique and very, very special. And if we could find a way to accomplish that task, it would cement them in the, in their legacy forever. And I, and I think that the underbelly of the football team – Really want to help this help this senior group get there. So I, I believe they'll be motivated. I I I think they'll be excited to be there. 
but we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, time will tell, but you have to think that Syracuse has an advantage in this bowl game because they're locked in. They are motivated to be there. They want to be there. This is the top you know, destination they could have got. Whereas the West Virginia fan base is disappointed they got put in this bowl game. Will Greer's not playing. They've got a big offensive lineman who's not playing. Bowl season is weird that way. And it's something that we as Syracuse fans are like, uh, what? Like, <laughs> what do you mean you don't want to play in this game and your big players are sitting out? And, you know, bowl season has become weird. And if you really know how to navigate this the right way for entertainment purposes only, you can really make some some what you know, billion dollars. No, not not quite that much, coach, but you can make some cash. If you can figure out which teams are locked in and which are not. And people are were looking at Syracuse West Virginia as one of the better matchups outside of the you know the New Year's Six Bulls and the playoff bowls. Now you have a backup quarterback at West Virginia who's taken exactly nine snaps, who steps in for Will Greer. His blind side is not protected because their big offensive tackle, whose name is escaping me at the moment, forgive me for that, but he's he's out. How much I think West Virginia fans will show up because they just have a pretty loyal, passionate fan base, despite their kind of meh feeling to the Camping World Bowl. They'll still have fans there. But are they as locked in and as motivated and want this as much as Syracuse does? I don't know how you can say that. USA Today, and it's just one outlet, it's just one thing, but it kind of struck me the other day, USA Today did their predictions for all their bowl games, and I I tweeted this out. And they had five, you know, air quotes, experts picking the Camping World Bowl, and they all picked West Virginia. And the only thing I could think of is, did you have to file this before we learned that Will Greer and his big offensive linemen are out? Like, it's... I get that West Virginia was a top 10, 10, top 12-ish team all season, and but a lot of that had to do with Will Greer, and he's like not playing in this game. All of you say West Virginia? Okay, what? No. This evens things out, and no one's going to care or really remember that in 5, 10 years. All they're going to remember is that Syracuse beat West Virginia and got that 10th win. In the Camping World Bowl, right? 437-7644. Some more to come. We're going to have Dino on the show next week and do a big, full, in-depth, meat and potatoes Camping World Bowl preview. So much more to come on that game next week. It'll be our last full week on the air, of course, before the holiday season. So we'll really dig in on the Camping World Bowl a lot next week and Got Syracuse and Buffalo come. Why am I talking about next week? We got things to talk about this weekend, but there's a lot of things happening next week. Camping World Bowl really starts to lock in. Buffalo on Tuesday at the Carrier Dome. Some good meaty things right here at the end of the season. Coming up next, though, we've got the NFL Blitz. We've got a preview of the upcoming weekend in the National Football League. We had Thursday night football. We've got a Saturday night game and the usual slate of Sunday NFL action. We'll get more into Syracuse and Old Dominion coming up as well, and where this game will fit, and what has been a very interesting non-conference run for the Orange. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block ESPN Radio. All guests on the block, though we didn't have any today. I mean, we just... 
played back some Dino clips, so kind of, sort of. But when we do, they're right here on the Burdick BMW hotline. You guys ready for the weekend? Ready for the Less You Hoops tomorrow? Springsteen on Broadway on Netflix or Christmas shopping or, hey, whatever's going on this weekend. A lot of people make cookies this weekend. If you wanted to bring some by here, you know, we wouldn't say no to that. Whatever it is, uh, we hope you're ready for it. But there's another NFL weekend ahead, and it is our duty. It is our privilege to get you ready for set thing. Let's do it, shall we? It's time for the NFL Blitz, kids. Last night, the Chargers and Chiefs kicked off what was a heck of uh, a game. Between those two coming right down to a two-point conversion. Can any of the games this weekend match that we've got saturday football oh yeah it's that time of the year baby we start in new york where the texans visit the jets uh showers in the forecast high of about 50 degrees at metlife stadium it's a 4 30 kickoff on saturday with the texans minus six and a half the over under is 41 and a half houston is nine and four their winning streak finally came to an end last week when the colts knocked them down 24 to 21 Houston is 4-2 on the road this season. They're 6-7 against the spread. The Jets are 4-9 overall. They're 2-4 at home. They are 5-8 against the spread, coming off that win over the Bills. Last week, the Jets are 30th in the National Football League in total yards per game, just under 300 yards there. Houston is third in rushing, 137 yards per game. For Houston, Zach Fulton, Andre Hall, questionable. Kiki Cote is out of this game for the Jets. Jordan Jenkins, Trumaine Johnson, and Trenton Cannon are questionable. Cleveland's at Denver. This is a Saturday night game. Baker Mayfield, is he going to wake up dangerous at mile high with Denver minus 2.5, the over-under 45.5? The Broncos are 6-7, and seven, and even 3-3 three and three at home. They're 6-6-1 six, six and one against the spread. They fell to San Francisco last week, 20-14. Cleveland Browns, 5-7-1 overall. They haven't been good on the road. They're 1-5 there, but they are 8-5 against the spread this season. Beat Carolina a week ago, 26-20. Denver is 0-2 as a home favorite this season. Keep that in mind. Cleveland is 31st in the National Football League in pass defense. So can the mighty Case Keenum take advantage of that for the Broncos. Cleveland has Phillip Gaines questionable. Denzel Ward and Austin Corbett are out of this game for Denver. Jordan Moore, Derek Wolf questionable. Arizona at Atlanta. Now we're on to Sunday games. Indoors at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The Falcons minus 10 with an over-under of 44. Atlanta's 4-9. They're 3-4 at home. They've been awful against the spread this year. 3-10. Lost to Green Bay last week, 34-20. Arizona's just awful overall, 3-10, 2-4 on the road. But they are 6-6-1 against the spread, for whatever that's worth. Atlanta is last in the National Football League in rushing yards per game. They're just getting 80 yards per game. But Arizona is second to last in that category. This is the fourth time this season that the Arizona Cardinals are double-digit underdogs. They have the worst point differential in the National Football League, minus 149 at about 15 points per game there. For Arizona, Chad Williams, David Johnson, Buda Baker, questionable. For Atlanta, Julio Jones, Deion Jones, Grady Jarrett are questionable. Terrell McLean is out of this game. Detroit at Buffalo. About a high of 39 degrees at Near Era Field on Sunday. No snow in the forecast, though. 
Buffalo is a two-point favorite with the over-under sitting at 39.5. Detroit is 5-8. They're 2-4 on the road. They are 7-6 against the spread. They beat Arizona a week ago. The Bills 4-9, 2-4 at the Rell, 5-8 against the spread. Coming off that loss to the Jets, Josh Allen over his last three games is averaging 111 yards on the ground. Sean McDermott, head coach of the Bills, is tired of only seeing his quarterback have success, though, on the ground. Overall, we can certainly do a better job when we're trying to hand the ball off, as I mentioned the other day, to a back to run the football, somebody other than Josh, somebody other than our quarterback, um, that we have to do a better job of of running the football. That's going to be tough with LaShawn McCoy questionable in this game. Uh, Second lowest scoring offense in the NFL at 15 points per game. Detroit. Second fewest interceptions this season. Matthew Stafford, Taylor Decker, and Bruce Ellington are questionable for the Lions. Green Bay at Chicago. Soldier Field be cloudy with a high of 44 in that game. The Bears are minus six with the over-under set at 45. Green Bay is five and seven. They have not won a road game. 0-6 this season. They are 5-7-1 against the spread. Chicago 9-4. Terrific at home this season. 6-1, 9-4 against the spread as well coming off that dominant win over the rams on monday night football chicago is the third fewest opponent points per game just 19 points per game first in turnover differential that amazing defense green bay one of only two winless road teams in the nfl as we mentioned chicago Allen robinson is questionable for green bay jimmy graham kenny clark and clay matthews all listed as questionable oakland's at cincinnati Rain in the forecast at Paul Brown Stadium with a high of about 45 degrees. Cincinnati's minus three with an over-under of 46. Oakland is three and ten. They are one and five on the road. They are five and eight against the spread, but they're coming off a win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cincinnati's five and eight. They're three and four at home. Six and seven against the spread. They last played and lost to the Los Angeles Chargers 26 to 21. Cincinnati and Oakland are two of the worst defensive teams in the NFL. 32 and 31 points, respectively, scored by their opponents on average. Cincinnati's also last in opponent yards per game. Oakland is second to last in opponent rushing yards allowed per game. For the Raiders, Lee Smith, Gabe Jackson, Dwayne Harris, Rodney Hudson, Daryl Worley, all questionable. For Cincinnati, boy, injuries just wrecked their season. Michael Johnson, Drake Kirkpatrick, Cordy Glenn, all questionable. Vontez Perfect is out of this game. Dallas at Indianapolis in Lucas Oil Stadium. Indianapolis is minus three. The over-under is 47.5. Dallas is 8-5 overall and against the spread. They're 2-4 and four on the road. Straight up coming off that win over Philly. Indianapolis 7-6. and six. They're 4-2 and two at home. 6-6-1 six, six and one against the spread. The Cowboys, as you know, currently on a five-game winning streak. It's the longest active streak in the National Football League right now. The Cowboys are second in the NFL in opponent points per game. Just 18 points per game allowed. The Colts, six of its last seven. The fourth highest scoring team in the NFL during that stretch, in that winning streak there. For Dallas, Tavon Austin, Tyrone Smith, and Sean Lee are all questionable. For the Colts, Malik Hooker, Clayton Gathers, and Ty Hilton are all questionable. Mike Mitchell is out of this game. Miami visits Minnesota. At U.S. Bank Stadium, Minnesota's a seven-and-a-half point favorite over Miami with the 44-and-a-half being the over-under. Uh, the Fish are seven and six. They're one and five on the road, eight and five against the spread, coming off that crazy win over New England, of course, last week. Minnesota, 
kind of slipping away here. Six, six, and one, four and two on the road this season. Six, six, and one, or, or at home, pardon me, this season. Six, six, and one against the spread. Now, Miami is 29th in the league in yards allowed. Can Kirk Cousins take advantage of that? They're allowing 400 yards per game. Minnesota, 17 points in its last two combined against New England and Seattle. For Miami, T.J. McDonald is questionable. Xavion Howard is doubtful. For uh, Minnesota, Eric Kendricks, David Morgan, Sheldon Richardson, all questionable in this game. Tennessee visits the suddenly hot New York Giants. Uh, scattered showers is the forecast. This also at MetLife Stadium because the Jets play Saturday. The Giants are minus two with an over-under of 43.5. Tennessee is 7-6. and six. They're 2-5 and five overall. They're also 7-6 and six against the spread coming off a big win over Jacksonville. The Giants all of a sudden 5-8. and eight. They're 2-4 and four at home this season. They're 7-5-1 and one against the spread coming off that huge win over the Redskins last week. The Giants have won four of their last five. And by the way... They're 5-0 and against the spread in that stretch. The Giants have been a great play as of late. They're tied for third in the NFL for most sacks. Tennessee is tied for third in the league in most sacks, both at 43 there. For Tennessee, Derrick Henry rushed for 238 yards and four touchdowns in their last games. Keep an eye on him. Uh, for the Titans, Cole Wick, Brian Arakbo, and Sharp, all questionable. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., we know, is out of this game for the New York Football Giants. Oh, boy, dreadful game here. The Redskins at the Jaguars. Should I even bother with this one? The Jags are minus 7.5. The old runner's 36. Ay, ay, ay. Skins are 6-7. and seven. They are 7-6 and six against the spread. Jacksonville. Doug Marone's job on the line here, 4-9 overall, 4-7-2 against the spread. Got smoked by Tennessee in their last game. They're 3-4 at home this season. Uh, Jacksonville is third to last in points per game at just 16.3. The Redskins, top five in turnovers forced in the NFL. They're still in the NFC playoff picture. As dreadful a game as this is, they're actually still in it. Tampa Bay, is it Baltimore? Uh, there are showers in the forecast in MT Bank Stadium in Baltimore for this game with the Ravens minus 7.5. The over-under is 47. Tampa Bay's 5-8. and eight. They're 1-5 and five on the road. They are 5-7-1 and one against the spread. Baltimore 7-6, and 4-2 and two at home. 7-6 and six against the spread this season. Tampa Bay leads the NFL in yards per game. At 430, they lead the league in turnovers as well. Kind of a contrast there. 31 total turnovers this season, whereas the Ravens lead the NFL in opponent points allowed per game, just 18.5. Joe Flacco is cleared to play, but Lamar Jackson will remain the starter for the Ravens. Seattle's at San Francisco. Showers in the forecast, high of 65 at Levi Stadium. Seahawks minus 3.5. The over-under is 44. The Seahawks are 8 and 5 overall. They're 4 and 3 on the road. Listen to this number against the spread. 8 3 and 2. San Francisco is 3 and 10 overall. They're 4 and 9 against the spread, but you know what? 3 of their wins have come at home. That being all of their wins have come at home. Seattle has led the league in rushing yards per game at 153 yards per game in that category. They are second in the NFL in turnover differential plus 11. Run the ball, turnover differential win these close games, and they cover, as we noted a moment ago. San Francisco has forced the fewest amount of turnovers in the league. Just five this season for that Niners defense. They have the worst 
turnover differential in the NFL at minus 21. For Seattle, Doug Baldwin, Bradley McDouglas, Jaron Reed, Rashad Penny, Deion Jordan, all questionable. For San Francisco, Marquise Goodwin is questionable for the Niners. New England and Pittsburgh, the other big AFC matchup this weekend with San Diego. I said San Diego. Los Angeles and Kansas City last night being the other one. Uh, the Patriots are minus 2.5. The over-under is 54. New England is 9-4 and four overall. They're 8-5 and five against the spread, and they're going to be one ticked-off football team following that embarrassing loss to the Miami Dolphins last week. Pittsburgh, 7-5-1. and one. They are 3-1 and one at home. Just 6-6-1 six, six against the spread this season. They're coming off a loss to Oakland. Mike Tomlin describes why these games against the New England Patriots always feel a little different. If you know that you're playing a really good team, and we know we're playing a really good team in New England, you realize that the quality of your execution is, is highly important, and that's what creates the angst that is the big game from a coach's and player's perspective. It's a high over-under at 54, and here's why. The Patriots are fifth in total yards per game. Pittsburgh is fourth. Highest scoring team in the National Football League, averaging 28 points per game. Now, the Steelers are second in total sacks with 45. New England has nobody listed on the injured report. I mean, Tom Brady's kind of there ceremonially, but not officially. Pittsburgh has James Conner listed as questionable. Eli Rogers is out. Philadelphia's at the Los Angeles Rams, who are a 12-and-a-half-point favorite over the defending Super Bowl champions with the over-under set at 52-and-a-half. This is the Sunday night game. Philadelphia is 6-7, and 2-4 and four on the road, 4-9 and nine against the spread this season. They're coming off that loss to the Cowboys, or as the Rams, hey, look, 12-2, and 6-0 at home, still the favorite in the NFC. They got, uh, you know, got their butts handed to them a little bit by the Chicago Bears in their last game, losing 15-6. to six in that one and the Rams are 5-7-1 and one against the spread this season for Philly Carson Wentz stress fracture in his back that takes him out so the Nick Foles show is back for the Rams they are third in the NFL in points per game at 32 also for the Eagles Jordan Hicks Tim Jernigan and Michael Bennett listed as questionable the Rams no injured players that's always key this time of the year in the National Football League if you're going to be good turnover differential health right that is the nfl blitz for the upcoming weekend of both saturday and sunday nfl action certainly on your sports viewing agenda this weekend is syracuse and old dominion we'll get into that game more coming up next you're on the block espn radio thank you bye-bye